Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from our Lord and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text chosen for our meditation was read as our gospel lesson from the Gospel of Matthew. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, fellow redeemed. During these past few months, Americans have been rightly concerned about unemployment. One day, everything was going well, and then suddenly, because of the virus, companies and small businesses had to shut down, and some are forever closed their doors. But our gospel lesson for this morning is very clear that there is no unemployment lines in the kingdom of God. Our Lord always needs more and more workers. Workers are, need to, are needed to share that compassion with the lost and for the lost. An entire world of, con, of confused and lost sinners saw this when Jesus looked out over those people who were following him. He did not only see individuals, but he looked deeper, much deeper. He saw people in their lost condition. He saw hurting in a way in which was lasting. These people were searching for something that would meet their needs. He saw these people thirsting for the waters of eternal life. And when he saw these people, he saw them as sheep who were wandering aimlessly, who had no shepherd to see them in the direction that they should go. Now, we were once also a part of a, a confused, wandering crowd. St. Peter puts it this way when he says in his first epistle, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. St. Paul says this about the same thing in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember, at one time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the civilization in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Our Lord's compassion moved him to come to our time and our space to seek and to save the lost by dying for the world's sins. In our text for this morning, we see Jesus' love at work. He went through those towns and villages in teaching in those synagogues the good news of everlasting life. And he had not only compassion for the spirit for healing their spiritual blindness and sickness. But also he looked at their physical ailments and healed them. But most of all, he gave to them what they needed most, relief from what really was harming them, their sinfulness before God. His compassion moved him to seek and to find us with his life imparting gospel. He did that in our baptism. And this is something perhaps maybe you and I don't think about very often or we have taken for granted. 
But it was by grace that we've had that opportunity to become part of his family. We were fortunate that our parents perhaps brought us to that baptismal fount at an early age. Or some maybe were very fortunate to hear that word of God shared with a, by a friend. And so you had the opportunity to hear that word of God and to become part of his family. But through the washing of holy baptism, a new life was created in us. And through faith in Jesus, we have that promise of eternal life. Our, our Lord wants his forgiven and renewed people to share his compassion for the lost. And when Jesus saw that multitude, and he, he kind of sighed. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Imagine the frustration of a farmer who looks at his field all ripe and ready to, to harvest. And then over his shoulder, he sees the deep, dark clouds of a storm coming his way. If only he had more combines to help harvest this, this crop, that abundant crop. I knew well that frustration. The first seven years of my ministry was in rural Iowa. And I know a number of, of my members face that dilemma that I just mentioned. As they were harvesting, a hailstorm came up and ruined their whole crop, stripped it. What frustration. Our Lord wants us to realize the blessing that we have in knowing the good news of salvation. He wants us to know the grace that God has shown us, that same compassion as Jesus did and see the need to gather that harvest that is around us in. He wants us to become so involved in his work that our prayer to him is this, that more people might become more involved and that more people would be brought into the kingdom. We know what it is like to have that hope of eternal life or to know that how much God loves us a God who sent his son to die for us. But there are many, many more people who have that thing of hopelessness and perhaps even now with this, what's going on in our, our life with this virus and other things in our society. And here people see hopelessness. You see, it's not enough to know the love of God for us, but it's all important that we show a concern might be saved. Others hear about that love of Jesus so that they too might be saved. Workers are needed who are sure of their call and mission. Just as no one will work without having been hired, so no one will work in God's kingdom without being rightly called. We have them part of our gospel lesson for today. There was Simon called Peter, his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, who was a tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot. 
who betrayed him. These men he called to carry out the work of his kingdom. And this Lord carefully calls each one of us by name in our baptism. He has called you into that family so that you can proclaim the wonderful deeds of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And being in that family of God induces us through the grace of God to become his instruments in sharing that message of salvation, of eternal life to those who are still wandering in the darkness of sin. And he gave those apostles careful instruction as to what their particular mission was. In verse 5 and 6 of our text, he says, Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he has given us special instructions as well. He says to us, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We call that in our church the Great Commission. And I want to tell you, it's not the Great Suggestion. It is the Great Commission that God wants us as Christians to go and share that message of salvation. And this is why we have given, been given a special call. He has called them full-time pastors, teachers, or missionaries. But all our baptized members of God are called upon to testify to the grace of God by, his, by word and deed. You, as children of God, are to be ready and willing to share that message that you have found true as you read and study the Scriptures. We have many opportunities to do just that. We can do that in our home among those people we love the best. Or we also can share those that are living close to us, next door, down the block for, from us. There are those who work alongside of us each and every day. There are those people who perhaps we play golf with or do other activities with. When it comes down to it, we have many opportunities to share God's word each and every day. A witness is one who tells what he or she knows. We know as Christians many things about our gracious and loving God. We know of his love for us, that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He came down to suffer and to die. And we know that through his suffering and death, we have that peace with God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We know that we cannot be saved by what we do, but what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross. This and more we share with those people who do not know God's love. And God gives to us individual gifts and talents for his, for his people to use to serve in his kingdom. Every one of his disciples had a gift in which God, which God uses to further his kingdom. We too have been given many gifts of his kingdom. And perhaps there are, 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 are some right here that want to give in a special way. We call that the office of the ministry. By all means, use that gift. 
Our Senate has established colleges and seminaries and offer to develop those skills to equip the people for professional service of the church. This is some, something that young people should be thinking about. But, you know, it doesn't mean that only the young people should be thinking about it. I know those who have felt that call and left their present occupation to be studied to be a pastor. Back in 1966, my wife and I became parochial school teachers in a little town called Independence, Kansas. And there, of course, we were newlyweds at 21. And here I was teaching some eighth graders that were 14, so seven years younger than me. Anyway, back in 2005, my wife and I attended the Synodical Convention in St. Louis. And Concordia Seminary had uh, invited all the uh, delegates to uh, an evening supper, a picnic supper. And during that time as people were mingling, I saw this one couple. I knew who they were. They were from Kansas, where I taught, but I didn't know their name. So I went up to them and uh, they were probably intimidated him a little bit. He says, I know you, <laughs> but, uh, but I don't know your name. And then I, I asked him who they were, and I says, I taught your son to your two sons in my in parochial school. And then I asked him about both of them, and I says, what's Ron doing? Or why are you here? And he says, well, Ron is studying to be a pastor now. And here Ron came up, and of course, I was thinking I'm 14 years old, and here he, and I asked, Ron, how old are you? He says, 50. He was a shy boy then, kind of shy then too now. But I asked him, I says, what job are you in now? He says, I was a nuclear physicist, but now I want to be a pastor. And if you take a look at that, just think of what would happen if each one of our members would have an attitude of seeing the souls. And not everybody can go to the seminary but they can do what they can. Your pastor, we don't know who he is or who he will be. But just think about that. One of the tasks that your pastor and every pastor has is to call on the members. What would happen? I'm just going to say, I, I haven't even even looked at your communicant list, but what would happen, let's say you were 300, what would happen if every one of your members, of the members here at Ascension, would make one call in that week? You know how many calls the pastor would have to make to equal that? 300. But think of what would happen if this activity was in a congregation. What God could be doing through us. You know, there, will, there is and will never be any unemployment problems in the Christian church, in Christ's church. But moving by the Holy Spirit, let's eagerly, joyfully serve our Lord in whatever our prospective callings might be, whether professionally or non-professionally. Maybe perhaps we can say a prayer. Lord, open a door for me today that I might share your love with someone else. A wonderful mission hymn goes like this. Let none hear you idly saying, there is nothing I can do. Answer quickly when he calls you. 
here am I. Send me, send me. Amen.